By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching ships roll in And I'll watch them roll away I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Hello everyone and welcome to a fresh episode of What's in Your Wheelhouse on Muskoka Magazine. We are here conversing with local distinctive artisans and learning about their crafts, hobbies and passions. Muskoka is full of talented individuals, and we are here to share many of their stories with you. My name is Bart, and I'm here with my co-captains, JP and Heather, from the shipyard. Say hello to the audience, guys. Hey, everyone. All right. How is everyone doing? Awesome. I'm a little raspy, but I'll survive. I just want to remind everyone that this broadcast is coming to you from the Bay Satellite Studio at the wonderful Sada City Brewery in Gravenhurst. I'd like to welcome our guests for today, Mark and Joanne. They are local beekeepers whose goal is to promote and advocate for pollinators, the all-important bees that put food on our tables. Mark and Joanne are also the masterminds behind Muskoka Craft Honey. Please give them a warm welcome. Hey, good evening. Wow. Hi. <laughs> Thank you very Hello. much for having us. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Our pleasure. Our so, pleasure. Right out of the dock, we would like to ask you, what's in your wheelhouse? Well, what's in our wheelhouse? It's been a busy. Uh, it's been a busy year in our wheelhouse. Actually, we are uh, we are here in Muskoka. We are raising bees. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. We're in the process of opening a store. Um, myself, I've been doing beekeeping for about ten years, and my partner Joanne has been doing it for about five. And uh, yeah, looking forward to a busy season coming up. Oh, that's amazing! Now, um, how did this passion come about? Uh, in terms of the beekeeping, well, yes. I got into this about 10 years ago. Uh, family members were beekeepers and had a, an operation, and uh, I used to go out and help them. That was where my interest got peaked. Uh, it was doing it as a hobby up until the pandemic hit. And then in 2020, there was no airplanes for me to go fix, which is my other life. And so, yeah, beekeeping became the business. And Joanne, how about you? Well, uh, well, uh, my previous life was uh, mostly administrative. I worked in an office. I uh, collected overdue bills and uh, never really knew anything about beekeeping until I met Mark. So now you're collecting honey. Net, right, right. Now <laughs> I collect honey, which is way better. More exciting. Way, way more exciting. Yes. Yes. Yes, for sure. So, Mark, you say you what? What are you with um, airplanes? You're a mechanic. I'm an aircraft. Uh, yeah, aircraft maintenance engineer. So, so I've been doing that for about twenty years and uh, decided that it was time to maybe look other other things to do. Yeah, a few times that I've reached out, you've been like all over Ontario. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of traveling with the job and uh, up till this point, it's been winters and bees in the summer. So we're hoping to continue that trend. Right, right. So now bees, I mean, that's an interesting and an important subject just all on its own. I mean, we could spend a lot of time just talking about those little people, yes. creatures, bugs, insects, whatever they're called, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, they're pretty important. They are. They are indeed. Um, 
A lot of people think that all the pollination is done by the honeybees. And while a good chunk of it is, especially in our uh, industrial agricultural setting, um, a lot of it is done by the native pollinators, like 30% of all the pollination. Um, so we try and, we, while we are beekeepers and, and the bees that we raise are western honeybees, we try and advocate for all of the pollinators out there, the bumblebees, the butterflies, the bats. Um, there's such a myriad diversity and they're all important and they're all uh, threatened, not just not the, just not the, just the western honeybee. Right. Um, what people don't understand about the honeybee is yes, they are they are in, they are in decline, but we we farm honeybees. We we raise honeybees like livestock. We can replace those honeybees. We can't replace the native pollinators when they're gone. Right. Right. And that's that's what we've been finding over the last 10 years is that the the native pollinators are in in serious decline. So education really is, is indeed. key, right? Indeed, yeah. indeed. Um, the same problems that are, are an issue for honeybees are, are pretty much the same issue for native pollinators. Um, you know, we've got diseases and pathogens. We have uh, monocropping uh, industrial farming where they're not getting any diversity in their food sources. Uh, and then the heavy duty pesticide use is also a big issue. It is yeah. still today, right? Still. What, what about rough winters? Climate change is the one factor that we really can't do anything about. Right. Um, every winter is is a bit of a crapshoot in terms of, okay, how is it going to play out? Is it going to be nice and smooth and we get cold and then we get warm? Or is it going to be a roller coaster of up and down temperatures? Mm -hmm. um, that is a factor that we're trying to mitigate moving forward by, by looking into things like overwintering bees indoors in a climate-controlled environment. And you can do that now? We are close to being able to do that. Okay. Um, people are experimenting with it. It's been, a, it's been an issue for the last five years that people have been working on, um, trying to find the right conditions and the right scalability. Um, it's, it's fine for somebody that's a hobbyist to put a, garage, uh, put a hive in their garage for the winter. It's a different story when you're a commercial beekeeper and you have a thousand hives to overwinter. Right. And what, so what would be the average amount of insects in a hive, like in bees in a hive? So the, the bee colony does expand and contract throughout the year. So in the spring, they'll start off if they've overwintered successfully with about 10,000 bees and a queen in the hive. And then she'll start to raise brood uh, through the spring. Those numbers will increase to a peak in the summer of say 50,000 to 60,000 bees in a double in a double hive um, and then that that number will taper off into the fall as as the population shrinks and they start putting away food for the winter and stop raising babies and then they they raise up what they call the overwintering bees or the winter bees and they'll stay in the hive for the whole six months of the winter the hive never actually hibernates they're still in the hive and they're active they form a ball around the queen and keep her warm all winter that's really interesting. I mean, Very. who would ever who would ever have thought that it's that complex? Just the survival of it alone. Yeah, right? especially yeah. in the cold winter months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the inside of that the, ins uh, yeah. the inside of that hive where the queen is will be at thirty degrees all winter long. Really? Wow. Yeah. The Without bees, any uh, other external components, we uh, we wrap yeah. the hive in the fall. Um, we give them a, an outer uh, insulating cover that's black so that it retains thermal thermal heat from the sun when it when it's warm. Um, but other than that, it's all on them. 
Um, they, uh, the worker bees form a ball, like I said, around the queen and they eat the honey and they use the honey for energy to shiver their bodies and generate heat, just like we shiver and generate heat when we're cold. And that's, that's the mechanism. It's just that vibration of their bodies generating heat that keeps that whole cluster warm. And then they rotate around in that cluster and warm up in the middle and then come out and shiver and eat and go back in and do it again. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So when did Muskoka Craft Honey begin? 2018 is when we kind of started Muskoka Craft Honey. We yep. built our first yard with eight hives and uh, it took off from there, I guess. Yep. We lost a lot of our bees in our second year, I guess it was. Um, just because of the overwintering conditions, mm -hmm. I suppose, and yeah. maybe like poor pest management, things that you learn along the way, right? So right now we're up to about 40 hives. We've come out of winter so far, so with about only two losses. So it's amazing. So it's pretty so amazing. Really, yeah, really good results this year. Yeah. So we're we're hopeful for the for the upcoming season. I look at the variety of merchandise that you have. I didn't realize there's so many things that could come out of beekeeping, not just honey. Right. You have your um, lip balm line as well. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, how do you get these flavors specific to, uh, you know, the flavors that you have for your honey? The, the varietal flavors. The, yeah. The, well, those bees are actually taken and foraged at like a blueberry patch or a clover patch. And so, yeah, that's not, uh, none of our honey is infused with any flavors. So like blueberry honey, if it says it on the jar, isn't really flavored like blueberries. It's more like a blueberry floral honey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get asked yeah. all the time by guests that are ship here. It's, yeah, why these does are, it say blueberry on the right. container? These are, these are the nectar sources um, where those bees are actually foraging. Um, and so they, it's a, a rough rule that it has to be about 90% guaranteed that that's what that bee is foraging on. So like Joanne said, when the when the blueberries in bloom, they're, they're there for three weeks. The bees are on them for three weeks and then that honey is harvested right away so that they can say yes it is blueberry honey. Uh, in Muskoka we do wildflower honey. We don't have any large monocropping where we can say it's apples or blueberries. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we get a general wildflower honey. Our varietal honeys come though from beekeepers within our 100 mile range in central Ontario that do specific contracts for those for those honeys. Okay, right. Excellent. All right, kids, we have to take a quick break. We've been talking to Mark and Joanne from Muskoka Craft Honey. I'm Bart with JP and Heather, and you're listening to What's in Your Wheelhouse. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Sitting in the morning sun. I'll be sitting when the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And I watch them roll away again I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Welcome back to What's in Your Wheelhouse. I'm Bart, and we are speaking to Mark and Joanne of Muskoka Craft Honey. So, Mark, you have a connection to the bees through your family. I sort of had the same thing through my uncle. For years, I was scared of the beehive. And then the last time I was in Poland, he took me to the beehive. We got all dressed up. And, I mean, we went in there. We went right into the beehives. He took out the slides. He showed me the queen bee. Nice. It was amazing. Nice. Yeah. Are you hooked? <laughs> 
Um, Are you going to come out for my You're going to have to reconnect me with the bees. All right. Because my uncle lives in Poland, so it's a bit more difficult. You're very tall, but I think that'll fit you. (laughs) I hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you out. Um, So... Uh, where where are you located? Like, I'm sure people are, are starting now to ask questions. Where, where so can they find you? We um, are just in the process of opening a store in Rosso, and that's where we live in Rosso. Uh, our beehives are located at various locations throughout Huntsville, Bracebridge, Port Carling. Um, and we're expanding this year to three more yards, sort of into Perry Sound territory a little bit, and having some local yards right in Rosso. So I'm kind of excited about that. Excellent. And then some educational pieces for people to come out and and learn more. Are you going to do some courses? Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to do some introductions to the bees courses. Uh, we'll be holding those at the uh, the Rosso Community Hall. Um, we'll probably make that like a one day, three hour kind of a workshop, and give people like a little general overview of what beekeeping is all about. What are the ins and outs? How much does it cost? Do you get stung? This kind of stuff uh, before we we open up the floor to then like an actual beekeeping course where we're going to teach you over, say, the course of four or five weeks in the summer. This is how you keep bees. Right. And and you have people that actually hive host now. We do. Yes. We do. We have uh, we have a rental agreement with a local golf course. Uh, they they maintain hives on their golf course that uh, that we look after for them, and we do some education programs with their uh, with their membership, and then we also have uh, people that host our hives just as a general bee yard, and those people usually uh, get paid in honey. Oh wow! Yes. <laughs> I should probably try that. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have no shortage of volunteers for places to put bees. Oh, there you go. So normally we say, okay, well, we'll come and look first and and see if it's a suitable place for bees. Yes. Um, there are some rules and regs about where you can have hives, and it's it's more difficult in town. Uh, we're we're trying our bee yards are all sort of out in the rural areas, which is better, right? The less interactions you have with people, the better. Um, so yeah, we have some rules and regs that we, we look at first and then uh, we go from there. So for the avid gardener that would love to help the bees out, what would you recommend that people should plant around their gardens? Well, Joanne, you want to take that one? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, like uh, natural plants are probably the best plants, but bees will will pollinate almost any plants really. If, they, if they're close by their hive, they're going to go to them and explore them. Uh, we so like um, good ones to probably plant would be like um, apple trees okay. when they blossom in the spring they almost looks like they're gonna get carried away by the bees um, uh, like I was saying to you when off air about bumblebees and mm-hmm. the uh, and tomato plants and, and green peppers they if you plant those the bumblebees love those um, uh, uh, butterfly bush ironically is great for butterflies so milkweeds. Yeah. If you want yeah, your monarchs. milkweeds for the monarchs, of course. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. See, I didn't know that, that, you know, some vegetables do actually, you know, yep. uh, feed our bees as well. Absolutely. Yep. And There's actually a special bee just for squash. Yeah. Oh, a squash bee. <laughs> squash yeah. bees, exactly <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> bees are, are, are what we call general foragers. They'll go to just about any kind of flower that they can get nectar from. But we're, there are specific bees for specific plants as well. Um, squash bees being a, a great example. Um, there's a whole industry of commercial bumblebees out there that mm-hmm. pollinate all the tomatoes and peppers and greenhouses. Most people don't even know that exists. Um, but it is a it is an entire 
separate beekeeping industry, separate from honeybees. So like, you know, the, these garden greenhouses that we go to in the, in, you know, Mother's Day and from the non, those, that, all that pollination was done through um, certain types of bees. They've actually brought them in to do their job. Right? Yeah, not necessarily with uh, like commercial flower greenhouses. We're talking specifically about tomato and pepper production okay uh, which is very big in like southern Ontario Leamington area and stuff right and it's a lot of a lot of pepper and tomato production there and that is 100% dependent upon a commercial bumblebee industry that that produces bees just specifically for that purpose I know there was some mention too like how do you get specific honeys so like blueberry honey um, share with us just a, a so blueberry honey um there's two kinds of blueberry honey there's blueberry honey that tastes like blueberries and that's infused honey that's had blueberry flavor added to it and then there's what we call varietal sourced honey which is honey that comes actually from a blueberry plant so in the spring the blueberries bloom for about three weeks and a beekeeper will take his bees and put his bees in the middle of that blueberry patch and put fresh what we call honey boxes or honey supers on those hives all of the honey that those bees produce over the next three weeks that they're on that pollination contract will then be harvested at the end when the bees are removed from the blueberry patch. Then that honey is processed and it can be sold as a varietal honey that's that's coming from that source. And there are numerous varietal honeys. Um, ourselves, we specialize in carrying buckwheat and blueberry. We carry clover and we carry basswood. But as we were talking about earlier, last year there was no basswood crop. Um, hence no basswood honey. Mm -hmm. So this year we, we haven't had any basswood to sell. We're hoping that this spring the basswood returns, the climate cooperates, and we get some basswood honey to sell this year. Wow, so it's it kind of sounds like wine where the crop, uh, like the honey from the batches come from what's in the environment. Correct, correct. Absolutely. And we do, uh, we do actually do like a terroir and an ultra local honey. Uh, we have three specific yards that we, we harvest from, uh, one in Port Carling, one in Bracebridge, and one in Huntsville, and we bottle those yards individually uh, for people that want that honey specifically for local allergies. Right, and that was something my dad always said, anytime you're traveling, make sure you eat the local honey. Exactly, because the local honey has all the local pollen in it, which is what's triggering your allergies. So the more that you can put into you and your body can get exposed to it and build up the immunity, then you won't suffer from the allergies nearly as much. And there are so many health benefits to having consuming honey as well, right? Yes, lots of health benefits for honey. Not just consuming it. I mean, honey is very good for the skin too. So some, some future products that we're looking at is like um, topical use of honey, like in skin products and creams. Salves and balms. Yes. Bring it on. I have cracked hands. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, honey has been a medicine for thousands of years. It does uh, never go bad. Shelf life forever. Antibacterial, antifungal. Uh, it never spoils. No, um, it it's is not really spoiled if it's crystallized. If it's crystallized, I take it home. Okay. just put it in a warm bath. So just so everyone knows, I use your honey on my island at the wheelhouse, and then when it crystallizes and you can't pour it into your drink anymore, I take it home and I scoop it and I put it in my tea. There right. You go. Exactly. It's still just as good. Right. Yeah. It is, yeah. but really, you just have to rewarm it. In a yeah. Water yes. Box, right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like all all raw natural honey will crystallize eventually. How fast it crystallizes depending on what is the nectar source, what is the ratio of fructose to glucose, etc. But all of it will eventually crystallize. And yeah, just put it in a warm bath. 
um, honey that you buy at the grocery store that comes in the little plastic bear will never crystallize. It's been pasteurized. It's been ultra filtered. So it is essentially just a, a sweetener at that point. But that's why it will never crystallize. Right. Right. Um, it's so interesting. Eh? It's just, it really is. We're getting an education. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is. I mean, because it's really um, one of those topics that, you know, education is, is key. I mean, it's not just great tasting honey because it, it is for sure. Um, it's it's just a bigger picture all the way around. It's a it's a totally different story than what you might think. Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's part of our mission is to is to bring that that awareness to people that you know it's not just a jar of honey on the shelf. There's a lot more to it. Um, I think in the last ten years, people have been made aware of the plight of the honeybee and how important they are to our food chain and to putting food on the table. And I think uh, it's opening up even more now that people are becoming more aware of not just honeybee pollination, but all the pollinators. How important the whole the whole package is right yeah um like i said honeybees aren't native to here we brought them here uh we manage them as a as a as a commercial enterprise mm -hmm. basically uh, but there's a lot more to the big picture so you mentioned that you're opening your store in um rosso correct um where else can we find your products so we have three main uh, main distributors in muskoka we have uh, artisans of muskoka on the main street in huntsville we have chancery lane on the main street in bracebridge and of course, we have you lovely folks at the shipyards in Gravenhurst. Oh, thanks. Of course, and we love your products. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys inspire some young people to be future uh, honey craftsmen. I, I need beekeepers. Yes. I foresee some <laughs> junior beekeepers coming up, and, and they're going to do great. So, yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. If you'd like to get your hands on more yummy honey, from Muskoka Craft Honey Product, stop by the shipyards at the Gravenhurst Wharf and look for the awesome canoe display on the main floor. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to our show. Join us next time for another episode of What's in Your Wheelhouse Muskoka Magazine. If you missed us, you can listen to a recording of our podcast by going online on muskokaradio.com. We are Muskoka on the Bay, CKAR 88.7 on your FM dial. And I watch them roll away again I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time oh.